Love Talk Radio. Ladies and gentlemen, good afternoon. The Nepalese Meditation Bowl is chiming. And that means it's time for the art of the CEO. The show for people who enjoy the challenge of business and who want to do it a little better. I'm your host, Bart Jackson, the Hieronymus Bosch of business, and whether you are a public affairs VP for an academic institution trying to get the word out about off-campus learning benefits, like John does, or whether you're a print shop owner who's transforming his his, his business into a one-stop self-publisher's mentorship, like Brian does, we're here to bring you the Sage Council of Business Masters to help your career and your business. Now, every Tuesday at 2 p.m., the art of the CEO comes winging its way through magical cyberspace and streams live through your cyber door so that this show and every other show may be downloaded by visiting blogtalkradio.com slash the art of the CEO. Once again, that's blogtalkradio.com slash the art of the CEO. And I always love saying that. Visit, so visit and explore for your benefits, and we hope you enjoy it. Today's episode is entitled, China's Super Consumers, Savio Chan Reveals What You Need to Know. Yes, today, ladies and gentlemen, we're going to lift your eyes toward an ever-shortening horizon, toward that friendly and beneficial migration of a new economic super buyer, an ancient society that can make your business thrive if, my friends, you're willing to adapt. We're speaking, of course, of the nouveau riche and the very inventive market of potential buyers and investors, China, or as they refer to themselves, the children of Han. May you look up Han's history when you get a chance. It's fascinating. And here we are, uh, having very good fortune. We have to help us orient ourselves to this mysterious culture, both ancient in its traditions and cutting edge in its business practices, is the man who literally wrote the book on this subject. That's Mr. Savio Chan, who is the author of the wildly selling China's Super Consumers, What One Billion Customers Want to Know and How to Sell It to Them. I love that title. Savio and his U.S.-China partners firm is the place where Steve Jobs turned when he needed to sell his iPhones in the Dragon Country. So what you're going to hear today, my friends, will profit you well, and it may just finance your child's college education. So I ask you to lean into your radio. But before we put on this shiny new fiscal face for your company, let us take a moment to supply you out there with a few utensils for this Feast of Wisdom. As I always do, first, allow me to remind each of you individuals hearing my voice that the good Lord has gifted you with the title and privileges of Chief Executive Officer of yourself. Now, that's the most important position you'll ever hold in your career. And so I ask, will this be the day that you resurrect some old passion, recall that skill or activities you always enjoyed, and blow the dust off it and give it just one more world, world because it feels good doing it? Or will you allow the good times to slip through the cracks of neglect? The choice is truly yours. And for the second utensil, it's time to dip into a little laughter and take a scriptural recitation 
from the 101 Best Business Quips book. So let me pull it down. Here we come. Here we are. Yes. Oh, all right. All right. This is number 37. So look at our new product design. Marketing wants us to sell it for a dime. The CFO wants a profit of a dollar. And the CEO wants it done yesterday. What this firm needs is a chief reality officer. So as an afterthought, allow me to venture that if you truly want a company that is successful, why not go to the real boss? Ask the customer how much she will pay for it and when she needs it in her hands. After all, she's the one who pays everybody's salary. And as a third utensil, perhaps we should call uh, to this day's utensil the spring roll chopsticks, we will give you the answers to last week's business quotation. Today, before we leave the air, we will broadcast another quotation. And if you know the name of that author, as you believe him or her to be, simply write info at bartsbooks.com. That's I-N-F-O at B-A-R-T-S-B-O-O-K-S dot com. And if you're right, we will send you along a marvelous gift from the dungeons of Bart's Books Bookstore. So, the author of last week's quote, that is the individual who said, the one have to be their top priority, <laughs> was none other than the 20th century fountain of pertinent proverbs, Mr. Arthur Ward. So now, let us dig into today's feast and introduce the man who has China in his briefcase, Mr. Savio Chan. Savio, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. Thank you, Bot. Oh, great. I'm so glad you could join us. Now, Savio... You are the CEO and president of U.S.-China Partners, and I believe you're in your 11th year now. So could you tell us a little bit, give us a brief overview of what services uh, you provide? And, I, I mean, do you help just major corporations? Do you make room for entrepreneurs? Tell us about uh, U.S.-China Partners. Oh, thank you. Uh, U.S.-China Partners is set up to uh, to help U.S. corporations to connect with Chinese consumers as well as Chinese corporations uh-huh. or partners to sell their product or their services into the China market or to the Chinese consumers or both. So our role uh-huh. are always uh, trying to help the uh, you know U.S. companies find out which partner they should work with to connect with right. and and help them understand the culture and the uh, and the and the sensitivity and and the nuances of doing business in China. So what we do is help them, you know, establish their presence if they have not been in China yet, uh-huh. help them connect uh-huh. with the partners and help them if they are already in China, then help them expand their presence in China uh, via our partners directly or dealing with the government. So all of the above, you know, we try to help them to understand how to navigate the China market in a, in a, in a good way. So we call ourselves the uh, the uh, the China Easy Pass sometimes, for those of you who are in New York. Oh, well, it may be easy. It may be easy for you, but for the rest of us, it's uh, it, it's pretty mysterious. And I, I'll, I'll tell you, it, it, uh, <laughs> you, you handle something that's frightening for us. You know, you have out there, I, I know you do, you you. Uh, you have a wonderful tale about how one night you're sitting home alone and you get this phone call and it's Steve Jobs of Apple and and he wanted something. I, I, I'm going to let you take it from there. What did what did the head of Apple want from Savio Chan? Tell us that. 
Well, that was the night that when Steve Jobs was launching, uh, you know, uh, the MacBook Air in the in the largest conference for for Apple in the West Coast, which, which it always does. It's the January 28th of 2008, around like 9:45 p.m. Uh-huh. at night, and uh, it's not a phone call. It's a it's an email. It's an email that uh, Steve sent to me oh, okay. uh, directly. And uh, so, you know, uh, I was uh, shocked uh, in the beginning just to find out that, you know, even Steve Jobs, a man of immense, you know, creativity, innovation, and power and success, would ask a uh, a little China man like me about how to sell iPhone in China. It turns out that uh, as powerful as Steve Jobs is in Apple is, and it turns out that even though Apple right. iPhone is made in China for for already, mm-hmm. they, he was having a tough time right. to sell the product in China. So... And he was negotiating at the time with uh, with the Chairman Wang from China Mobile, and was going nowhere. So uh, he was very frustrated, and uh, so he reached out to me and asked me about my suggestion about what to do about that. So I virtually tell him that you know Steve. After I know this is really Steve Jobs and not a scam for my friends, you know, um, right? <laughs> that uh, you know that uh, you know Steve. You know, uh, I, t- I explained to him that China Mobile, the number mobile phone carrier in China, uh, with 700 million subscribers at the time, is not ready for him. Yeah. Technology-wise, and uh, right. but of course the chairman of China Mobile is not going to turn down. Talking with Steve Jobs, you know, it's kind of fun to talk to the number one powerful right, technology right. entrepreneur in, in America. So just sure. like in a, in a Chinese traditional way, they, he keep on saying, you know, maybe we'll consider that. You know, we would we, we would consider that. We're interested, but the, the, the true fact of the matter is they're not ready. They're not interested at the time. So, but the other company, uh, uh, China Unicom, which is the uh, second largest right. mobile phone carrier in China, uh, was ready. And was eager, so I told Steve and his team to turn their focus into the number two carrier. And a long story short, that's how they get into China. And the rest, as they say, is history. Gosh, that's wow, ladies and gentlemen. I've got to put that down as a quill pen moment. I want you all to remember what Savio has just said. He's given something that's timeless, and he's saying, "Bigger is not always better." Go to the partner who is most adept, who wants you most, who wants to handle you most, not the one who just seems like the biggest kid on the block. Remember that. I, I think that's great. That's a marvelous story. Now, I, I've got to tell you, 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 you have this all under your belt here, Savio, but I think most of the U.S. business folks today, and myself included, really don't have an accurate idea of how to con- how business is conducted in China and by the, the Chinese protocols. Could you give us, just just as an example, give us one or two of the, the major mistakes or the wrong attitudes that U.S. businesses hold when they come into the Chinese marketplace? Well, one of the major bigger mistakes is because America has been so successful for so many years, we are we tend to think that we are the best in the world, and in many cases we are. Right. Uh, but however, because the culture is so different and the and the economy uh, is so differently run. I mean, in, in here it's a free economy. Right. Uh, you know, in China it's a state-run economy uh, where the government have a lot of control and say a lot in a lot of the areas. So if you are operating in one of the what they call the key pillar industries, whether it's telecom, banking, insurance, you know, many, many of the market areas that are controlled by the government, then you have to deal with the Chinese government directly to get the approval. And a lot of times the Americans um, do not understand how important that is. 
and they didn't do enough homework right. and uh, and to prepare themselves uh, to do the right thing in China, and they don't understand how to deal with Chinese cons- uh, government or the consumers or the entrepreneurs. Another thing that they make mistake mm-hmm. is is because of we're so successful, we have so-called the best practice in America, the best way about doing certain things in certain yeah. way. The Six Sigma of the world, uh-huh. the grab, you know, all these you know different you know buzzwords and terms, which is not oh, many of them gosh, are not yes, we're loaded not, <laughs> not, not 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 applicable to China. And if sometimes when you go to China without without thinking too much, they just adapt. Well, they think they, they just use the same methodology and the same best practice, and they think they're gonna work in China. And a lot of times it would not, and it would bomb. And uh, and sometimes the process is not reversible. So. So, like we said earlier, sometimes if you're the biggest and most successful and most dominant player in America or in the world, it doesn't mean that the right. China will open their arms to you if you don't do the homework the right way. So, for example, Google fail and Best Buy, Best Buy bail, you know, from China. So, because of similar reasons, right. different reasons for similar reasons of not understanding and doing enough homework before they go to China. Oh, well, I'm glad you said that. Now, in a way, that sort of leads into the heart of your book and talking about Chinese super consumers. Uh, You did something I think was was clever. I've heard you say that if you want to sell to the Chinese, as you've just said, you've got to understand the culture of the people. And you, as a sort of a simple example, could you tell us about your, quote, 88 gift card that you instituted for American retailers to attract Chinese customers. What is it and how does that work? It's a great example. Well, you know, I told uh, the, the American retailers, which always come to me and say, hey, we want to we sell to more Chinese consumers. We want a lot to share of their wallet. How can we? I always tell them that before you try to sell them something, which is great. We, they all understand they want to sell them something. They're a retailer. Uh, you want to pay tribute to their, you know, culture and customs. And uh, so... Uh, a lot of times we do programs to show the Chinese consumers that we care about them, we know their culture. So in the largest holiday in China, is called the Chinese New Year, which is the Lunar New Year, which is right. normally, uh, uh, you know, fall between, you know, February, uh, you know, sometime in, in, the, in the lunar calendar uh, in, in America. Right. So, right. Uh, so in this case, the retailer is, uh, is the largest book, re- book retailer in America. And I told them to design right. a... Chinese New Year, you know, Lunar New Year gift card uh, with the, the year of the sheet, huh. you know, design on the gift card. And and, uh, uh-huh. and the gift card is, uh, is in the denominations of not $10 and not $20 and not $100, but it's $88. Because the number eight in Chinese culture is, is symbolic of good fortune and good luck. And in Chinese New Year time, uh-huh. they even more care about that. So we have a culture that we pay a lot of, you know, yeah, we pay a lot of you know attention to those kind of details. Now, I'm not saying that everybody's uh-huh. suspicious. I mean, I mean, superstitious in uh, in China, but in a way, they yeah, are they very are. careful about certain number means good luck and certain number means bad luck. So, so number eight is good luck, good fortune, and so eighty eight means double uh-huh. good luck, right? Double good fortune. So, alrighty, alrighty. So that means that well, I the think retailer, people you know, like you make like their own good luck, and I think yeah, that was a very clever <laughs> idea, and I hope you folks take note of that. I want to give you one, one other quick example just to, just to illustrate the same point. Oh, sure, right? sure, sure. Yeah, so, so color and sure. numbers are important to China. Number eight is good luck. Number four is bad luck. Number four means death. 
you know, in Chinese culture. Oh, okay. So okay. we avoid the number four at all costs. But another, another example is uh, we've been doing the Chinese New Year party in the number one watch retailer in America for the last four years. Right. And every year we have a beautiful invitations sending out to our, our VIP and have them come to the party. And this year, the designer right. said, well, Xavier, we want to change the design a little bit. You know, we've been always red color because red is lucky in China. So they changed the color. Right, they right. just want to change it a little bit. So they sent me the, uh, the new design of the, of the Chinese New Year invitations. It's in white color. Right. They said, no, 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 no. You can't do uh, white. You know, white is funeral color in China. You can't do that. You can't do that. Oh, so, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. We think wedding year is funeral there, of course. Oh. Right, right. Because white is, yeah. is, is shake in America. It's nice. But in, in, especially in Chinese New Year, we avoid the white color. So I said, well, no, no, no. I know you oh want to be creative. You cannot do white. You can do gold. You can do red. You know, you <laughs> stick to this. Stick to what works, buddy. Don't uh, don't just change it up and then otherwise nobody uh, going to the party. It's a New Year party, not a funeral, man. Oh, <laughs> well, Fabio. <laughs> now I, another thing is that the Chinese I know, both at home or abroad, they're very well linked in and they're very active on social media. They use it for not just personal connections but product information and purchases as well. Uh, set the stage for us. What what are what are the uh, cons- Chinese consumers using in social media, and what would be a good way for for an American buyer to get in to 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 that avenue? Well, Chinese uh, consumers is already the number one largest internet users in the world now. They have six hundred thirty million internet users in China. Uh, oh and, my and, goodness. And not in China and out of China combined. So 630 million internet users in China and out of Chinese Chinese, Chinese consumers, and of which uh, they used it to go show show, to go shopping, to do all kinds of stuff. For example, 38 percent of the Chinese you know internet users shop online, uh-huh. and 23 percent watch videos, and 22 percent uh-huh. read news on the internet, and 11 percent listen to music. And same percentage share pictures and photos, and meet offline friends, but very few of them actually, um, you know, do. So, so in that in that percentage, this is the, this is the latest research by McKinsey. So it's very accurate. Just came out about two months ago. So right, very right. show show is a big area, but. Uh, I also always tell my uh, my my American counterparts and retailers that hey, they may not use the same tools that you use. They don't use Facebook oh. because they are Facebook is banned in China. They don't use Pinterest. They don't use uh, they use a little bit of LinkedIn, but not much. Just starting about a year or two ago, so they use different tools, and most of them are on a different platform. So if you want to connect with them, you gotta, you must use their tools that they use. So for example, all, more, well, more one than, of them is what WeChat or. Well, one of the uh, most popular one is called WeChat. We like we e we and then chat c h a t, and it's very clever right, and right. it's it's uh it's uh started by one of the largest internet company in China called Tencent Holdings, but uh, but in China okay. they, they call this tool a different name. In China they call this tool Weixin, but when they come to America ah. they change the name to WeChat so that we can understand what that means. Weixin is Chinese, ah. nobody understands Weixin, right? So. So this right, tool right. is is both in America and China. You can download on your iPhone or your Samsung phone, and using the tool you can connect to almost every Chinese person use WeChat. So that's how popular it is. Oh my God! Well, 
Oh, Savio, that's great. I, I'm going to ask you to hold, hold on for just a second. Ladies and gentlemen, we, we've come to the midpoint of our feast, and so I'm going to ask us to take a brief survey. It's time for me to introduce to you the company by whose good graces we're here today. And that firm is Prometheus Publishing, the creator of Bart's Books Ultimate Business Guides. And you may visit uh, bartsbooks.com, that's B-A-R-T-S-B-O-O-K-S.com, and explore wide wealth of practical wisdom from business masters. And Prometheus Publishing today would like to invite everybody enjoying the show to take a look at one of their books entitled, Behind Every Successful Woman is Herself. And this book really distills the experience and device of over a hundred of the business uh, community's leading ladies. So if you are a wisdom, uh, I'm sorry, if you are a lady seeking to a seat in the boardroom or trying to get your company to take off, or you simply just want some proper credit for all the work you've been doing, for heaven's sakes, why not pick up a copy of Behind Every Successful Woman is Herself and gain some real leverage. Check it out on the Bart's Books bookstore at bartsbooks.com the place to find that exact right business tool. Now, ladies and gentlemen, and all those who are happily enjoying the birds and sunshine and crocuses coming back into spring, we are back with Mr. Savio Chan, who is teaching us a survival course in dealing with the amazing lands and the powerful consumers of China. And Savio, I was wondering if you could give us an example. You've given us a couple of, of what you've done, but give us an example of some Western company who you think is doing it right. That is one of the companies who's reaching the Chinese market successfully because of doing their homework and so forth. Well, one of the companies that's doing really well is uh, is, uh, is Starbucks. You know, even though China uh-huh. is more tea drinking culture. Uh, so nobody would right, think that right. Starbucks would uh, would do really well in China, but they did the homework right. really well, and they uh, seek out uh, they sought out three Chinese partners because China is huge, right? So they have one partner in the oh, southern yeah. part of China, one part in the middle of China, one part uh-huh. in the in the northeast of China. So they engage, you know, with. Uh, you know, a uh, company who are really familiar with food, food catering and food logistics, you know, uh, in China to help them guide them, to help guide them. So they pick really good partner in China to help them enter oh. the market, number one. Number two, they did the homework that they find out that in China, even though it's a tea drinking country, uh, you know, they love to try new things. And also, be- be- between besides place of work and the place of home, there's a, there's a place called the third place. The place where you hang out and see your friends. So, so they really make ah. Starbucks a really a nice place for you to meet your friends and make it very comfortable. Make it an upscale area. You can ah. see your third, You can go to a day for that. So, so they really, really uh, spend a lot of time to enter the market properly and find the right Chinese partner. And ah, in, in, in no time, they're now out. the um, second largest you know market for them in in the world now, and soon to be the first. So I think they did a lot of good job uh, on, 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 on that. And uh, and even though China is a tea-drinking culture, culture for thousands of years, they embrace coffee from Starbucks, you know, uh, and uh, like nothing else. And, 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 and believe it or not, the price in Starbucks in China is not cheaper than here. It's the same price, if not more expensive sometimes. And you go there every time, so there's a line, just like some of the Starbucks we see in New York, you know, and uh, it's very popular in China. That's one example. 
Right. Well, I do know that from when I've been to China, another thing that they absolutely love is American bourbon. So the Chinese are indeed <laughs> a people who are eclectic and willing to try new things. And and I think that that's a, you, you really gave an excellent example of what of finding out what the customer wants. Now, and and going along that line, um, let's just say that. Uh, I have a, a new software that allows buyers, so let's say, to select and compare brand name clothing. All right, and and let's now. I've I think this would hold some real value for Chinese buyers, and I want to say, and it would save them a great deal of time. What do you uh, give me? One or two things. How should I market this to make it attractive for the Chinese audience? So give me one or two tips, just just for example. Well, first of all, you have to find out that the so-called software is, you know, similar software is available in China or not. Because in China, they use the Internet much more than we do in America. So they are essentially very popular. There's a lot of sites in China already that are giving similar kind of things. So you want to make sure there's no a local version of a Chinese, you know, a tool already existed in the market. Oh, yeah, because yeah, yeah. If there is, then your chances are a lot, you know, a lot more competitive to get in, right, number one. So you have to first right, understand right, right. the marketplace, see if your services, whether it's comparable shopping and tools, are really, really, you know, uh, have a need in China. Number two is, is it defensible or defensible? You know, and uh, you know, is, is your product or idea is it easily copyable by the local Chinese, you know, companies? Uh, obviously, they are successful oh, in China. Of course, of course. They know the area. If you, even if you have uh, your trademark and your idea protected by IP. By intellectual property, if your entry level barrier is not very high, chances are the Chinese can right. copy your idea and do it cheaper and faster and faster and bigger than you do. Then you lose your shirt before you know before you even enter the marketplace. So, so you, first good. of all, you want to make yeah. sure that your idea is defensible, is is uh, defensible, and also you have uh, and and maybe you want to find a local Chinese partner that can also help you to do a better job. And again, unless you are a gigantic, you know, multinational, you know, multi-billion dollar company, but even Walmart and Starbucks have a, have a Chinese partner. So you may want to find our Chinese partner. I was going to say, it would you know, to can help you do that enough. Sensible aspect. Yeah, particularly in the defensible aspect, you need you need their feet on the ground and their experience of a good partner. I I I, I think you're absolutely right on that. Um, and I, I I just like to I'm curious. Uh, we're our time is running lean. It's terrible here, but I would just I'd like to turn the tables for a bit. What do you think that the Chinese need to understand about the U.S. and the way we do business? In other words, what what can Chinese business folks learn from us in the U.S. and what do they need to understand about us in our economy? Well, I think that you know what they need to learn from us is the Chinese still have are still learning about intellectual property and also the soft power, the soft skill area. And the value of services, the value of services. So uh, Chinese understand very well about paying for tangible products, real estate products. Right. You know, they understand it, they can feel it, touch it very easily. When, they, when you ask them to pay for right. services, uh, which is sometimes intangible, and you cannot feel and touch it, uh-huh. they may not understand it very well, and they have a reluctance to pay for services or, or good quality you know, support uh-huh. services. And and so they learn it on that nothing is nothing is uh, nothing good is going to come cheap same as people and also right. services, so they're learning about the intangible part of the of, of the of the equation. So when they come to America, if you want to hire the best lawyers, doctors, you know, accountants or consultants, 
you must, you know, uh, pay for right pay for their 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 their, their good services, even though. That those intangible things you know may not be you may not be able to see and touch it and feel it immediately, but it's important for them to understand. They're learning right now; they're getting better now, but they're still far behind their Indian counterparts or the other countries that are much more advanced. Yes. because they're because of the well, learning. I, I know India, who uh, another growing culture, has done quite. Uh, they have picked up the service banner and started running with it. And I'm sure the Chinese will be be right on top of it as they are on everything else. Oh, Savio, this has been wonderful. I I hate to say that we're we're, we're coming to the end of this, uh, but could you tell us just but before you take off, how can people get a con get a hold of your book, and how can they get a hold of you that, and U.S. China Partners if they're looking to uh, get a little advice and, and venture to China? Well, you know, you, you can get my on my book, China's for Consumers. Uh, at uh, and on, on Amazon, you know, you can buy on Amazon. You can buy at Barnes and Noble bookstores or Barnes and Nobles dot com. Uh, you know, you can find a couple right. of book China for consumers by by Wiley, uh-huh. and you can always email me directly. You know, at s chan s like Savio chan c h a n at u s china partners all one word u s china partners dot com. So uh, I mentioned that all you right. will get my. Make sure that you know me from the show, from your from your radio show. I will sure to respond right. to them. I, I can only respond to all the email, but if, if they mention your your radio show on the on the subject line, I will respond to them. You know, so that they can talk to me on that. Wonderful. Now, ladies and gentlemen, that is a sharp businessman, and I I thank you very much for coming on and enlightening us all in so many ways and it's it's just not long enough Savio we're going to have to have you back that's all I can say so I thank you for coming on and uh, ladies and gentlemen as we round out the show I would like to leave you with today's business quotation and that is who is the person who said if you want to know what God thinks of money just look at the people he gave it to. <laughs> and as a hint, that was said by a woman of wit who truly knew how to live and more. And also, remember now, if you know the author of that uh, quote, just send that send her name to info at bartsbooks.com. And look if you're right, look forward to a prize from the Dungeons of Bart's Book Bookstore. And as a parting shot, in the words of my wife's husband... Networking meetings are like children's innocent prayers. Everyone is hoping for some shining angel to lead them into the land of low-hanging fruit and rich candy. (laughs) Ladies and gentlemen, as always, it has been a privilege. I thank you.